We're making it easier to listen to the World Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Power of Water. Our radio talk show has been on for many years, and uh, the theme of our show has always been, always will be, water, water, water and discussing how important water is to our lives. It's like when Jean Cernan was on, I've just been discussing this a lot lately, when Jean Cernan was on the moon for the last time and he sees this blue, blue around Earth. It's blue because of water. And out of all the universe, when they're looking back at Earth, they look at blue, the color blue. And he said at the time, at his last trip, when you're looking at Earth, it looks like God's front porch. And we know that living water is vital to your everyday life. Without it, there's no life. And so I made a priority many, many years ago to be able to study. And I put millions of dollars behind studying the importance of fresh water for your everyday life. And that includes you are walking with 50 trillion cells with a molecule and water, 50 trillion. Now, when you get out of bed every day, you better have your first glass of water because you've been laying asleep at night dehydrating. So, therefore, you need to get up and hydrate and get your first glass of water to get your day started. And please remember that the coffee isn't the water, the tea isn't the only water, the juice isn't the only water, and all these waters that you can drink with added ingredients block absorption. The weight of the water that's with the ingredient of the formulation will block absorption. Always remember that. You need to drink fresh, pure water with 100% water, without any added ingredients. Those cells need to be detoxified. And the only way you can detoxify and hopefully battle the viruses, battle the allergies, flus, and go on and on and on, possible diseases and more, is water. It's a solvent. Nature brought water to the earth to survive, hopefully for all life or eternity. So remember that that is the key to your health. Now, if you don't want to be healthy and you want to complain about not being healthy for conversation, that's your privilege, that's your freedom. But just remember, water is the key to all life. Remember it. Now, on Earth, we have, out of all the waters, there's only 3% fresh. 
only 1% out of the 3% is usable. Now, what are we going to do on Earth, all of us together, to be able to make sure that that fresh water is there for everyone for eternity, for all life for eternity? We need to begin a campaign of making sure that the infrastructure of every single country, their priority is number one, fresh water, vital to all life there is. Now, today we have a very exciting guest. Robert Weir is on with us again, and Robert and I were talking recently, and we just experienced World Water Day, which was March 22nd, and Earth Day is coming April 22nd, and Robert and I decided to do a show together about what we can do to discuss and get the importance of your education, your research with us, and get the story out there about how important it is for, your, for you to be informed about what is going on. So today we're going to discuss World Water Day, World Earth Day, but also discuss India and the slum education that's going on and Earth Day um, and Water Day and infecting all of the world. Now, we're going to listen to our sponsor first. And uh, with Nature's Tears, I missed. Our sponsor is Biologic Aqua Research. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the product that was invented to be able to supplement the surface of your eye. Did you know that the surface of your eye has a tear film over that cornea of the eye? That tear film is 98% water. Did you know that? Where are you getting enough water so that you wouldn't have a vision impairment unless... It's Nature's Tears Eye Mist. It's the only product like it in the world. Nature's Tears Eye Mist with just a mist. 100% tissue culture grade of water to supplement. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Robert Weir. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Today we have Robert Weir, uh, who has the author, he is the author of Peace, Justice, Care of Earth. And he wrote a book about uh, John McConnell, who is the founder of Earth Day, 
we'll discuss that. But a little, I need to tell you a little bit about Robert. Robert is a writer and speaker who focuses on people, peace, and the environment and outdoor adventures. And since we've been having him on, he's been traveling almost all over the world. He is the author of Cobble Creek, a collection of short stories and poetry. He writes contracted assignments for an industry, government, agencies, and environmental organizations. He's published many articles. He's been a part of this show for many years now, and I'm excited to welcome him here today again. Robert, thank you for joining us. Hello, Sharon. Good morning, and thank you for having me. It's my my pleasure to be here once again with you. And before we begin, let's tell our uh, viewers what you've been up to lately and the importance of uh, Earth Day is coming again. Well, I was actually in the United at, in New York at the United Nations this past week, and uh, you know when you mention Earth Day is coming again, uh, you're referring to what the, most people know as the um, the Earth Day on April 22, which is the second Earth Day. The original Earth Day was celebrated at the United Nations this past Wednesday, March 20th, uh, the vernal equinox, the spring equinox, and the first day of spring, and it was uh, celebrated there. Since uh, been celebrated there since 1971, with the original birthday appearing on the vernal equinox uh, in 1970, and it was a fantastic celebration. There were uh, many people there. One of a representative from the United Nations rang the peace bell, and it was it was terrific. And then also on the same day, uh, the United Nations celebrated the International Day of Happiness, and I participated. Or excuse me, I just went to that. I but I observed and and enjoyed that very much and laughed with some of the commentary made there at the U.N. And then on Friday was uh, what I think we mostly want to talk about, perhaps, and that is World Water Day. I also went as an observer and heard uh, people from around the world speak about the importance of water. Uh, the Secretary General of the United Nations uh, spoke there, and so did the President of the General Assembly, as well as representatives from other nations, that both some that are water-rich and some that are water-poor. So it was a very enlightening uh, endeavor. I've got some notes in front of me, and would be glad to expound as necessary as we talk here this morning, Sharon. Okay. Now, when they were talking about, let's start out where your first uh, meeting was, was with World, uh, with the Earth Day. And tell what, what happened, tell our audience, uh, what happened to why, if March 20th is really Earth Day, the original Earth Day that the United Nations wanted the world to celebrate together, what happened with World Water Day in the United States being April 22nd? I don't tell tell our listeners what's what's the difference. Well, in 1968, John McConnell, whose biography I wrote, that is the book Peace, Justice, Care of Earth, that uh, John McConnell uh, invented, created the idea of a global holiday in which people would celebrate all of Earth, and he decided to have that day on the spring equinox. And in November of 1969, John announced that event uh, for the upcoming um, uh, 
vernal equinox, March 20th, 1970. But in 1969, in November, John was at a United Nations meeting, a very large environmental meeting of the United Nations in San Francisco, California. And there were about 400 people there, including some very, you know, the high officials of the United Nations and non-governmental organizations and many people from civil society and so on. And he announced that Earth Day would be on the spring equinox in 1970. And uh, in attendance there were some people uh, from the uh, office of Senator Gaylord Nelson, who was an environmental legislator at that time. And at the same time that John McConnell was planning Earth Day for April, or excuse me, for March 20th, uh, Senator Nelson was planning an environmental teach-in for April 22. And environmental teach-in is the name of the endeavor or the activity, the event that Senator Gaylord Nelson and his people were planning. And it's very likely that Senator Nelson himself was at that United Nations meeting. Certainly one of his major colleagues with the environmental teach-in, Senator Paul McCloskey, was there, according to the roster records I saw. And according to John McConnell, so were some of the uh, the staff members for the environmental teach-in. And John relates to me that... Um, Two of the young people and Senator Nelson's staff came to him and said, we love your name, Earth Day. We love the idea of Earth Day that you're talking about. Would you please come and join us for the teach-in on April 22? And John said, no, you know, the teach-in is a very nice thing, and April 22 happens to be the day of the original Arbor Day. And it was, you know, the, the teach-in was a fine idea. But John said, no, I'm going to be focusing on Earth Day, on the spring equinox, that's nature's global holiday when the northern hemisphere comes alive to life again, it's symbolically, and it's associated with Easter and Nuruz, which is the, the uh, new year in the Middle East, and other, you know, traditionally, throughout the, our history, uh, the first day of spring has had special significance, and we see that at Stonehenge and so on. April 22 is a nice day, but the equinox is the day of global holiday, according to John McConnell. Right. So he went ahead, and six weeks Well, and later, what I think about it, too, um, um, here, uh, Robert, is that was designated by the United Nations for the rest of the world to celebrate all together. Well, Earth Day. Well, yeah, yes, yes, it has, and and that's like the second chapter of what I want to get into in a in a moment, uh, Sharon, because confusion has reigned. Um, John McConnell went ahead with his plans for the Earth Day on the spring equinox, but in January of 1970, Senator Gaylord Nelson's staff, the environmental teaching staff, ran full page ads in the New York Times and the Washington. Post that proclaimed in large letters, Earth Day, April 22. And some of John McConnell's people used the word stole, stolen, uh, thievery. They took the name of Earth Day and applied it to the environmental teaching. And um, there was a great deal of confusion. And, you know, I can, I can hear that in our conversation here in your questions, and I've heard it with many, many other people I've spoken with. In the early 1970s, uh, different U.S. presidents and Congress both passed resolutions that said Earth Day was April 22, Earth Day was March 20th, 
20th of spring equinox, there was this political affirmation and United Nations affirmation in more recent years for both days. Well, unfortunately, from from my point of view, John McConnell was a somewhat of a lone individual. He had a staff of wonderful volunteers who are still active and putting on the Earth Day ceremony at the United Nations this year. But Senator Nelson's staff had the political clout. He had the public relations infrastructure in place. Now, and oh, wait, I'm going to say something for a minute. You mean he had taxpayers' money behind him? <laughs> But you, you can you can say that. I'll say he had political clout and public relations capability uh, that John McConnell did not. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but yes, I agree with you. And so eventually, in the popular eye, uh, Earth Day is commonly known as April 22. I mean, even Walt Disney's uh, or the Disney people have recently put out movies uh, about beautiful movies about Earth and mountains and water. That uh, and with the promo that says premiering on Earth Day, April 22. But I'm here to tell you. Earth Day is not April 2, 22. John McConnell often said that, no, Earth Day, nature's global holiday, is on the spring equinox. Now, so I, that, I'm going to ask you a question. question. I'm going to ask you <laughs> yes. a question that maybe a lot of people were thinking when you were talking. Uh, this, when spring is on March 20th that day, is that an international day for spring? Then The spring, let's say there's countries that have uh, the climate the same climate as we do. Is that there? Do they? Well, let's put it this way. When spring comes in those different countries, do they have a day of spring, um, the first day of spring in their countries being whatever day it is? Do they have to celebrate spring? Yes, some countries do, and I mentioned no rules. I know Holland used to. I don't know if they still do. Yeah, that is the the um, that is the new year in for Middle Eastern countries, and mm-hmm. it is on the spring equinox. Uh, going back into uh, the Chinese calendars and some of the original uh, Eastern uh, calendars, uh, they celebrate the first day of spring as the new year, mm-hmm. and um, oh, let's see, there's another example that comes that escapes me right now, Sharon. Well, what but, I'm yeah. trying to uh, point out is that we do have forever, from the beginning of time, that there's different people who have outlooks that they want to pursue with a lot of aggressive um, uh, control. And I don't think it's a better word than that to say, to control the situation. When out of his heart, John McConnell and you writing the book, The United Nations now, Nations in those days involved and still involved, they yes. recognize that when the world is looking, not at just the United States, when the world is looking to it to be March 20th on yes. our first day of spring in the United States and celebration to the rest of the world. So it's just, it's mind boggling that the taxpayers, well, and this is what they've been saying a lot uh, here, Robert, the taxpayers have no idea what they're doing with their money. None whatsoever. Soever, uh, people seem to think that when they handle the taxpayer money, that they're, they can do anything with it they want until unless they vote them out. And the thing about it is, is what you're saying today is John McConnell, the United Nations, and people all over the world recognized that on the first day of spring, March 20th, in the United States, March 20th, and around the world, March 20th, would be Earth Day. 
and by gosh in heaven i it just it's just mind boggling at what happened here when it, Sharon, whenever I've said I this to you before, to but about, it's just unbelievably uh, it shows what people do when they want to control. But it's money because if you have the money, if you use taxpayers' money and they don't know what you're doing with their money anyway, and we've been hearing more and more about it in the past few years about all these things they're doing with money that people have no idea, and yet people are having to work hard every day. To, to make a living, go home and have a business at their own table with their bread and, and putting water on the table now. And uh, then all of a sudden they're finding out this beautiful occasion called Earth Day Celebration is not even a uni- unified day. It's just the United States of America having it on April 22nd. Yeah, Senator Nelson's people were able to uh, bring Earth Day on April 22 to other nations. And, you know, again, this gets into the public relations capability that the political system does. Now, what does the United Nations, Robert, do on April 22nd? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure about that, but I do know that the United Nations recognizes both days in some capacity. I have mm-hmm. never been at the United Nations on April 22, and quite honestly, Sharon, I have no desire to be there. Oh, I don't blame you, because that wasn't the designated. Yeah, April 22 is not Earth Day. But I do know that, again, the public relations capability of uh, the Earth, current Earth Day people, Senator Nelson is deceased uh, now, and so is John McConnell, for that matter. Um, it was mention that more later. But anyway, um, something does happen at the United Nations on April 22. I don't know exactly what it is, and I'm not going to go and find out. Right. No. No, I wouldn't either. In fact, I, I really get very disappointed in what people can do to something that was so exciting and unselfish and concerning of our world. And this is why this show is so important to me and my company is the fact that we believe that the earth needs to connect. We need to learn more from each other about what is happening to the nature of our world. And, of course, our priority is water. But earth is water, and without the water, there is no earth. And, of course, Earth Day on the first day of spring is a focus that we all should be considering all over the world, that uh, we got to, almost like the Dutch did with their May Day festivals, we should be having a festival with the United yeah. Nations all over the world on March 20th. Then it comes World Water Day, which is March 22nd, um, is World Water Day. So the two of them could be a few days of lots of celebration, ho- reminding everybody, Robert, we're in this together, hoping the Earth lasts for eternity (laughs) and it's only going to last robert if we can make sure there's a lot of fresh water what you're saying about connectivity sharon and the world together makes so much sense to me and it did to john mcconnell too one of his one of his tenets was that we should all come to agree come together where we agree and make room for our differences and i and he talked about peace being an honest understanding of another person's point of view and i spoke at the united nations last wednesday in conjunction with the earth day celebration and that's the message I brought about, this beautiful concept of peace 
true understanding. When we understand another person's point of view, we, we may not agree with them, but at least we know where we, they are coming from and we can be at peace with ourselves and be at peace with the people who, with whom we disagree. And, you know, that just makes so much more sense to me. And then you're right. The, for the first time this year, the United Nations celebrated the International Day of Happiness, which began with the country now, tell of Bhutan. Us about the International Day of Happiness. What, what, what are they thinking? What's, what's the focus? I don't well, want to say. I don't want to say it's obvious. What's the focus? <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can say it's obvious, Sharon. Um, well, well, the word "happy" in American language means happy. But what's the focus for the Earth to be focusing on happy? <laughs> a few years ago, the the country of Bhutan came into my consciousness when I heard that they do not measure the success of their country by a gross national product like most countries do, including the United States. They measure the success of their country according to what they call the gross national happiness index. And I said, whoa, that sounds so fantastic to measure success, not by financial wealth, but by happiness. And people at the International Day of Happiness celebration at the UN you know, made the comment that, that happiness is, um, is not measured by the amount of money that a person has. Happiness is a basic human goal. It's related to spirituality. And one person, uh, in fact, it was uh, one of the ambassadors, uh, Anwar Chaudhry, who I've heard speak before. He's very much involved with the non-governmental organization community. And he said, you know, happiness is putting yourself into a bigger context, and that is your relationship with God. It comes from respecting other people. It's really, happiness is related to intergenerational connectivity. Happiness is sharing and you know, with the rest of the world. And that fits in with John McConnell's Earth Day. It fits in with World Water Day. It fits in with the people who are protecting the air that we breathe around the world. It all comes back to connectivity, Sharon, our connection with other people. So let's share a smile. Another man said, we are now living in one small village. And love and happiness is the key that allows us to be human beings. You know, it's personal. It's social. Now, weren't you, weren't you, uh, didn't when you in your travels, didn't you travel to the location where their primary focus and celebration is not money, it's happiness? Didn't I you have go not there? yet. Bhutan is on my, my bucket list, and I talked with the ambassador of Bhutan about, about traveling to Bhutan, and I will be there, and, and you and I can talk about it, but I, I've been to India and other countries, mm-hmm. the Philippines and, and you know, several other nations, and I've experienced happy people around the world whenever I've, I've traveled, Russia and Germany and uh, Barbados, to name a few, Turkey, um, but no, I've not been to Bhutan yet, okay, because, and I want to be there. Uh, you know, it is so true. Um, Earth has a connection that, uh, and I love what Gene Cernan said, God's porch. Uh, God's porch is the nature of all the power that's here and the unique, uh, uh, unbelievable uh, opportunities that each and every person can have that money can't buy. Money yep. could never buy it. That's absolutely And true. it's here. And uh, have you? Uh, and I've always thought of of when he said, 
and other astronauts have said, and we've had uh, Dr. Dwayne Cecil on here many times, who was with NASA, now NOAA, but he has said, too, we've agreed that NASA has said there's a rhythm to the universe, and that rhythm is the finest tune there is because it's in rhythm, and it all connects with everything there is. And the God's porch on Earth and the power of that rhythm is going on every moment of the day. When we try to go against the rhythm, we create a ripple that that maybe is not a healthy ripple. So happiness is a rhythm, and music can be a rhythm, and children can be a rhythm. Because children do not try to manipulate when they're little, young, and growing to a certain point until they get influenced, the environmental influence. But children are part of the rhythm of life. So you go into these countries, and I'm sure you could tell us that when you go to visit children in those countries, they're not looking at you any different than they're looking at anything other than the fact they're getting to know you for the first time. But they have a rhythm. They love music. They love to laugh. And they're children. Sure, and when I was in India and living in a slum area in the large city of Kolkata or Calcutta, um, I experienced those children who are happy, who are alive, playing with simple games like I did when I was a boy. And I'm 65 now, so I'm going to take you back 60, 60, 50 years here and say, you know, I was playing caroms with kids there in India, and I played caroms when I was a teenager. They're playing with tops. They're playing with toys that do not require batteries, and they're not made out of plastic, and they are happy, happy. And they're now holding in their palm. You know, that you just brought up something, something that is a disaster to me personally, Uh, and I'm 71. Okay, a disaster to me personally is, have you ever been to the grocery store, and you've got this little child who's maybe two years old, and they're sitting in a grocery cart with something in the palm of their hand playing a game all the way through the store with their mommy. Uh, something They don't even look up. There could be a they're bomb not, go yeah. off. That child is so engrossed in that palm method of keeping themselves entertained. Yeah, and uh, can you imagine their discontent if they didn't have that kind of ability? Uh, that's I call it robot business, robot <laughs> ways of doing things. Uh, but back to the rhythm, back to the tune, back to the happy is saying at laughter and the children of our world that could teach us a lot. When you talk about going back to the rhythm, Sharon, I'm thinking about the rhythm of the breeze that blows, the rhythm of the currents, whether they be in a river or be in a tidal current of the oceans and the seas. It's the rhythm of life, the rhythm of the beating of a butterfly's wings. It's exactly. the rhythm of nature that is not in a plastic battery-operated toy game that totally yeah, takes a child away from nature. Yeah, and and then this is where I concern myself. And audience, I have to tell you, stop to think about the common sense. We are not making a priority water. Water is the priority of all life on Earth and even fighting diseases, uh, keeping healthy. Um, You know, we've got uh, Mayor Bloomberg in uh, New York saying, oh, we need to 
get rid of sugar. We need to get rid of salt. We need to reduce our weight. We need to do this. But I've never heard him yet, and I ought to give him a call and say, Michael, you have not made a priority water. With the wa- If they're drinking enough water and there's enough fresh, clean, safe water, life, Earth would be a much more a special, happy, and healthier place. But have you noticed they're not talking water is the most primary focus. And I'm sure with you going all over the world, you've noticed how important water was to each one of those countries you went into. Oh, absolutely. And that came out very strongly when the speakers who I heard at World Water Day at the United Nations, and some of them representing countries that are water poor. Very, very much here, Sharon. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and the, and the women in these different countries, and you know, they expect even in our own country, the United States of America, to be some very serious challenges between borders of what's happening with water. And uh, they, they, it hasn't popped yet. It's out there behind the scenes. They're dickering. They're fighting. They're, but what will happen if some state does not get enough water? Their citizens are going are to be very unhappy. And uh, but back to uh, your travels and uh, and those countries. Now, uh, what are some of their celebrations? Now we have in our country. Uh, World Water Day, World Earth Day, and our different celebrations to keep ourselves reminded of the planet. Do they have certain things that you can remember that you could share with our audience that they celebrate? Uh, there are some holidays that I've happened to encounter in my travels. I, I happen to be uh, in India uh, for some of the major religious holidays there, Eid al-Adhan, which is a Muslim uh, holiday and, and that I participated in, and uh, Durga Puja, a Hindu uh, holiday that celebrates uh, their deity, Mother Durga. And, uh, oh gosh, yes, some other ones. I happen to be in, um, oh, where was it? Um, uh, the, number, the name just escaped me. Well, it, but it was a celebration. It, um, it was a Serbian holiday for the um, to celebrate the two saints who created the uh, the Cyrillian alphabet, uh, Saint Cyril and Saint. Uh, the name escapes me. You caught me off guard with that question, actually, Sharon. <laughs> but uh, but yes, you know there are festivals around the world, and that relates with happiness, and it relates with um, you know just the celebration of life that people do encounter. That's part of our rhythm of life is to celebrate these holidays, whether they be nature, environmental in in nature, or whether they be in in connection with God or sacrifices or, I mean, religious sacrifices. Yes. Kind of reminders of some people have said to me, oh, my gosh, all these holidays. And I said, well, we should be grateful there's a holiday quite often because we, we get so, all of us get so busy with our everyday lives to survive and do the things we need to do. If something didn't stop to remind us, we'd be, we wouldn't be thinking about what's so important to our lives. We're going to talk to our sponsor. We're going to listen to our sponsor. We're going to talk to our sponsor. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Robert, and we're going to come back and you get that list out in front of you that you had. And let's go through some of those things that you wanted to remind the listeners of today. Okay. Okay. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist, and we'll be back with Robert Weir.
World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Robert, uh, tell us about some of the things that you thought that we should be discussing today that are really important. Well, I think that the, the reason that you initially called me about today's program, Sharon, has to do with World Water Day. And um, so I think I'd like to direct us in that direction because we've okay. skirted around some of it. But uh, there are some points that came up in the, the uh, conversation among the delegates and the, uh, the officials of the United Nations who spoke there at the U.N. on Friday. And I think that sharing some of the, their commentary with your audience is uh, an important thing for us that to is take so, care of. Yes, it is. Now, what what were some of the outlooks? That, what, what, tell us some of the things that they're concerned about and some of the po- – let's find some positive, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we shall. <laughs> uh, well, well, among the positive things, at the very beginning, Vuk Jeremic of Serbia, who's the president of the General Assembly of the U.N., and, you know, made the comment that water covers 70% of our world, and he referenced its vitality, its necessity, uh, it's the essential – element in which we live, as you have mentioned. And he mentioned that it was uh, water is cited in many ways in holy books. It's, uh, it's, well, it's fresh water is water for life. And that is a common uh, statement in in the holy books of all of the major religions, whether we're talking about you know the Bible or the Quran or, or any others. On a um, Oh, he also mentioned that water management, sustainable management of water, you know, requires both economic strategies and high-level political emphasis. You know, so talk about connectivity here. You know, everybody uses water. Everybody is water, as you have often stated, and, and we know from science books and so on. Are, but you know, there's this connection that. Everyone needs water, and yet it is a topic of major conversation at the highest level governmental uh, units in our world. You know, our big national or national uh, leaders, as well as like the United Nations. The economic strategies are very important um, considerations. The a man from. from Bolivia was one of the representatives there, representatives there, and he talked about how privatization of water has failed. And it, I don't know if, uh, gosh, 
a few years ago now, Bolivia signed some kind of a contract with uh, the major economic powers of the world and some large corporations to privatize their water industry. And it turned out to be an economic and political and natural disaster uh, within that country. And, and Bolivia filed suit and took their water control back into their government, into, into their populist control, rather than turning it over to a foreign national country and the, the large banking industry of the world. And, you know, they talked about water is a human right now per the Constitution in Bolivia. Water for life was another term that he often uh, used and said that society must do, do, must determine water for life. It's a human right. It's not just a necessity, but it's a human right. Oh, um and let's say the less less positive side, the negative side, Secretary General Ban Ki-moon of South Korea was saying that one in every three people around the world live in a country that is poor in water. One in every three people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he said that can easily increase to 50% of the world population, half of us not having enough water for our you know, daily sustenance. He talked about the possibility of competition or the, the, the existing competition between farmers and growers, especially with um, you know, with uh, uh, watering the crops, irrigation. He talked about competition between towns and rural areas, and that goes along with the population increase and planet changes. Mm-hmm. You know, a little while ago, you mentioned about you know the transboundary water resources, and that was a very popular or large topic among both uh, the Secretary General and other people who spoke there. In the transboundary. Um, Topic is not necessarily between nations and nations who share a border, but it also includes countries that are upstream and countries that are downstream. Exactly. This is what uh, the concerns are, and we should be very, very, uh, we should be investing an enormous amount of money and influence to make a difference that we understand that what's happening with water sources that are primary in other countries or, let's say, in the United States and, and very uh, have an enormous amount of water across a border. And uh, yes. when, that, uh, when that water is not being valued and understood how valuable that water is to many different borders, there's going to be border wars like other countries have had wars over water, but they never said it was over water. Uh, we found in research that in Yemen, they've had villages that didn't have water, and there were water wars going on before we heard about the word terrorism. Um, so you're, you, what you're saying is what is so the future, and, and isn't it sad that we have to do, we don't do anything proactive as much as we think we do, uh, Robert. Uh, this country, this world, is not proactive about preparing for what should be for what's best for all, they're always short-term thinking. Have you noticed that that's more and more and more? Our forefathers weren't as bad about short-term thinking. They always thought, I think they thought more long-term. But all of a sudden, I'm finding out with research that our, our people leading our countries that were paying very well to become very wealthy people are, are all short-term thinking 
in just the time and energy uh, time that they have available to them is all short term to their elections. Well, yes, and that's that's true of the political arena where the most important thing is to be elected in the next election. And also in the corporate world, I've found or observed that the next, the most important thing is the next quarterly bottom line. You know, know, five-year plan is nice, but what about the next generation? Oh, my God, that's what they're there for, to think about long-term. Right. But I also believe that even though that is a paradigm that has been predominant in our social and political and economic structure, I think that more and more people are talking like you and I are, Sharon, and we're talking about, okay, we need to really act long-term. I heard that at the United Nations. I hear it you know, in regard to Earth Day, the International Day of Happiness, the World Water Day. There is conversation going on about long-term concerns. Hopefully, very hopefully, there is enough conversation and enough action to sway that predominant paradigm that you just described. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it's um, and but it, again, it takes people like yourself that are going to these occasions and then bringing you on to the radio show here and then getting the press releases out and understanding. So the word, the message is getting farther and farther out there that uh, people have to start thinking about the happiness of somebody else, not just themselves, peace for somebody else, not just themselves. And your book, I'm going along your book, Peace, Justice, and and Care of Earth is, is all that we've been discussing on this show today is we need to. We can have our differences. We can have our different tra- traditions. Cultures can be different occasions in our homes. But the whole. But we should all agree that Earth should be here for eternity, and that the rest of the world, the universe, maybe had something at one point. It's no different than countries like Iraq and 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 uh, different countries in the Middle East have gone to desert sand when maybe at one time they weren't just sand. They had an abundance of water, but they became sand, no different than on the moon. They're detecting that there was water at one time on the moon. Well, I mean, sorry, Mars. And they think that when they, the farther, the more they research, well, if that is the case, obviously somebody did not plan on the water not being there. And without yes. water, there is no life in the air, and the humidity, the water in the air we're breathing is just as vital as the water you're drinking. Yes. And we, how, how yes. many times, Robert, have you heard people talk about, well, I'm breathing water in the air, humidity. They never discuss it, how important that air is to you. And it's like what's happening in China with the environment and the pollution, the carp, uh, the uh, carbon particles is so heavy and so devastating and life-threatening. They didn't think about how important, well, that's the perfect example. They can't buy their air right now. Yes. Money won't pay for that air right now to be cleaned up right now. Right now, I mean overnight and here in the very near future. Money is not going to do it. I don't know how they're yes. going to start a plan, an infrastructure plan for their health to be an issue that water is a primary source. They have over 100 rivers in China that are polluted. It's amazing. So, amazing. but again, we uh, 
we and people get so and I think that new technology in the palm of the hand is not going to help one bit. Uh, now I do I will say I, as I keep up with some of these new technologies, I was very excited to hear about some of the University of Southern California's research centers. They're coming up. That in the palm of your hand, there will be medical devices to be able to do certain things with your health issues that were going to be exciting. But again, uh, we've got to realize that without water, uh, uh, peace, and happiness, and everybody caring about the whole earth and working at it together to help one another, so that earth is there for eternity, for for a law, for eternity. Oh, it's here, and one of the comments that I wrote down from the Secretary General's remarks relates to that. He said that our involvement with water management is a down payment on a sustainable future. And what a beautiful, succinct statement. That is. That is a down payment on a sustainable future, and that is a fact. That is what it's all about. Yes. Well, you know, and Robert, it's startling to me, and you've traveled the world, and and seen when people were poor, but they could if they had water. And what, when you fight diseases, the solvent of fighting a disease, fighting the virus, and fighting a health symptom is plenty of fresh, clean, safe water. If you've got an abundant amount of that and you're drinking it every day, you can, their chances of being healthy are better than if you weren't drinking it. And it's a yeah. solvent. It's earth solvent. It's earth solvent for the nature of earth to survive and get beyond its problems. And it's also every bit of human life, human beings' life, is if they're drinking a lot of fresh, clean, safe water, that's a solvent in those 50 trillion cells to keep them replenished and keep the hydrogen, oxygen uh, attracting each other. And it's, it's like uh, they say, you know, uh, you can live. You can't live. You can live without food, but you cannot live without the water in the air and the water to drink. Yes. Now, um, on some of the other things you had there, what else did you learn at the United Nations? Well, another big key point uh, that many people spoke about was sanitation, which is you know the the other aspect of water. Yeah, we need the san- we need water for sanitation, and also they were talking about ways to to. Um, Capture the, any water that uh, has been used as wastewater, and then reprocess it, you know, through uh, purification systems, and bring it back into uh, use by by common people. They talked about um, partnerships with countries and water users. Um, they also mentioned that natural disasters often deal with water, and uh, so. You know, don't you think it, about? Did they ever mention? And I often think about this, and I'm sure you do too, and they do too, is when all that rain comes down and we have these disastrous floodings that are going on, doesn't it break your heart that we can't save some of that water? I know. I know. Well, and some people are, at least in a smaller way. I mean, I, I've written an article, for example, about a, a family who built the roof of their, uh, built a house with an inverted roof so that it, the roof is a valley rather than a peak. And uh-huh. they capture the rainwater on the roof and it runs through a trough into a cistern, a rain barrel, and then a cistern. And uh-huh. they use that for their, their They're recycling the water. Purpose. Right. They use it for their gray water purposes. You know, that makes so much more sense. And it, it goes along with solar panels on rooftops, too. And uh, yeah, 
there's so much that we can do if we would take a look at how can we preserve and better use the natural resources with which we are blessed rather than just shuffling it off into a drain, a storm sewer. Well, look at all the water that we've been coming down in the snow uh, in the past year around the world, and I just wish there was a way that uh, we could back that up and use it for agriculture and use it besides just letting it run. Now, I do know it absorbs down into the aquifers, which are very important for the aquifers, but fresh water on top of the surface of the earth is what gives us a healthier breath of life. The humidity is healthier. Yes. Yes. Now, I like to do a lot of backpacking, and there's something just refreshing about going into a damp area, you know, next walking next to a swamp or, or breathing in that moisturized Moisture. air. Yeah, you know, in, a, uh, in an evergreen forest. It's just absolutely beautiful. Well, uh, Robert, there's a difference between when you go over to the desert and look at the color of a desert without enough moisture and what the, uh, it's colorless. And then you go over to a forest with ferns and the moss and the trees and, and the, the moist, uh, you pick up the soil and put it in your fingers and it, and it isn't muddy. It's just a, a fertile. And it's because of the moisture and the air and your lungs. Don't you wish they'd have hydrotherapy clinics to where you could go in if you're sick and not doing well and hydro, the hydrotherapy, hydrate yourself and a nature's room where that is brought to focus is to be able to sit there. Well, like sitting in a greenhouse. Have you ever gone into a greenhouse and smelling it and, oh, oh, feels like you could rejuvenate anything that was wrong? Yes, uh, greenhouses and um, uh, the... The, the uh, plants that have, uh, or the, the big glass buildings that have, uh, you know, so many plants in them, it's just, they're absolutely oh. beautiful. Right, right. Yeah. Now, what else were you learning there? Well, I think that pretty much covers my notes from the World Water Day. Uh, well, one of the closing comments, of course, deals with cooperation and commitment that the world community, both on the uh, the political level, the, the governmental level, as well as the individual level, needs to work together to commit ourselves to what John McConnell would say, preserving this wonderful web of life that we have here in the uh, in our world. Before we're done, I'm going to go back to Bolivia for a minute because uh, I've been talking here. We've had guests on the show that have been going into countries that didn't provide water to their people and uh, put a lot of money and energy into providing the water. And then what they did uh, is when they would go in and, provi- uh, and drill the wells and make water available for the different villages and different communities, then they'd set it up where, because women were the ones who were going off to bring the water in every day, they'd set it up to where there would be like a little community business affair, how to keep track of it and for the quality of the water. So you're, you mentioned that Bolivia took it back, and and after all these millions of dollars worth of investment that Bolivia did not probably put into their infrastructure of water, now they, they you, you've read or you've understood they took it back to where they can control it. And when they took it back, did they make sure that everybody had water without paying a horrible price? I don't know the answer to that, but I do believe that, uh, you know, Bolivia uh, acted in a way that they felt was best for the quality of water that their people would have. They, mm-hmm. they 
took control of their own water resources back rather than uh, outsourcing it to uh, the international business community. Well, when they outsourced it, what I understood was the company, the different ones I've had on, is they, d- they dug those wells. There was no water. I don't know the answer yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah, and there was the water. There was no water, and a lot of these countries don't have water for, uh, for their villages and uh, to provide water for the children, for those mothers that would have to carry that water every day. So that's what was in the back of my mind is uh, the reason those countries go in there, those companies, is because there was no water. I don't know the answer yeah, to that. Yeah. I don't know the background. So I need. Uh, I would like to have both thoughts on that, on everybody's thinking. As, uh, but we only have one minute left. And how would you like to leave our audience today? I want to uh, commemorate John McConnell, who passed this past um, October the twentieth. He at the age of ninety-seven. To me, he was a great visionary who deserved more attention in the world, and that's what I want to talk about. If people want to contact me about him or any other subject, my website is robertmweir.com. That's Robert M as in Martin, W-E-I-R.com. You can cannot contact me through, you can contact me through my website. And, uh, and I hope that you will learn more about John and, McConnell. And look up the book, Peace, Justice, Care of the Earth. The Vision of John McConnell, your book, Robert Ware's book. Uh, yep. it is absolutely a magnificent history of our world and our, that we're living in and we, it's it's just Robert. It's just a vision beyond all imagination. Is what you did with that book. Well, I want to thank, thank you, you for much. joining us today. I know you had a little inconvenience, audience. He was traveling with his cell, and his cell wasn't working, so he had to go into AT and T. We'll give him a plug and get yourself a cell that could work in the area you're in. <laughs> that is correct. That well, thank you. So, thank you, and let's plan on having you on in April uh, sometime and discuss World Water Day for March 20th. <laughs> okay. Okay, thank we'll talk to you, you, and you have a nice day and a safe trip. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Wow, uh, our world uh, that we live in, and as I said, it's a priority for myself uh, with water, water, water. And uh, I have been studying water for so long, and myself and many others with me, the conviction and the commitment we've had with what we've done with biologic aqua research has been water, 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 water. And we specialize in the concern of fresh water. And we believe that fresh water should have more research to what it could do for everyday lives more than, than the obvious that uh, supplementing the air we're living in and supplementing uh, different uh, methods of our life. Uh, it's not that the air has changed so drastically. It's just that no one had ever discussed the moisture in the air and thought about dehydration because of the word dehydration starts the moment you were born until the day you pass on, you're dehydrated to, to pass on to death. And life and the difference between living and dying is that water, fresh water, and we need to learn more about it. We need to pursue by far more research than is being done, and that's what we're trying to do as a company. And there's something I'm going to leave you with today also that uh, the biblical prophet Jeremiah said 1,500 years ago to summarize this, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me the spring of living water and they have dug their own cisterns. 
And we, we don't want to be there. We want to make sure that we think about what's best for all life forever, and it's the water first. I want to thank you for listening. Embrace your life every special moment in somebody else's. But earth whispers, don't say goodbye. Let's do what Robert and I talked about today, leaving something special behind, and especially never let the water drain away. You have a nice day, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinerHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.